Chaichi was a huge pop star in the former Yugoslavia in the late 80s when she won Yugovision and represented Yugoslavia at the Eurovision Song Contest in 1990 in Zagreb. Being a huge star, she suddenly moved to New York when she was only 21. She said to me that she didn't want to be a doll. She left success to pursue faith and spirituality. Taichi married Matthew Cameron, whom she met in church in 1999. The couple have three sons. She battled depression. Her dad died because of cancer. In 2017, she lost her husband Matthew to stage 4 non-smoker's lung cancer. Taichi is a music artist, writer and inspirational speaker coach. Taichi also experienced sexual abuse as a teenager and struggled to regain a healthy self-love and confidence. All those experiences taught her that the only way to heal and live with peace and joy is to intentionally get off of the spinning wheel of our repeating behaviors and thought processes. I'm so glad to introduce you to Tatiana Cameron Taichi. Taichi, you have been four years old or young, let me say young, when you decided to be something special in your life. Mm. What was your dream? Well, it was, I don't know if it was that it was, I was going to be something special, but I, what I wanted was to tell stories through music and change people's hearts, move people's hearts and make this world a better place. And what happened with the music at that time? You have been four? Yeah, I was four and I was already working. Uh, my dad was a musician. He was a guitar player and a singer. And so my first toys were a microphone and a, you know, a reel-to-reel recorder and my dad's guitar. And my mom would always sing me lullabies in the evening. So but then I saw a musical movie on TV and it just moved me so deeply that I wanted to do the same for other people. Um, so when I was four, I was walking, the story goes, I don't, I only remember fragments of it, but the story is that my, I was walking through town with my aunt and I saw a sign for auditions and I asked my aunt what auditions were and she said, well, that's where you go to audition to sing a song and then if they like you, they, you, you get to uh, perform. And I went and I remember singing a song, I remember coming up and saying, my name is Taichi and I'm going to sing Plovi mi plovi chamchichumali, which is this silly Croatian song in key of C, because I used to hear my dad calling out the keys. And I got the audition, and so that was my first performance with the symphony orchestra, the radio symphony orchestra, and it was live broadcast, and it was the beginning of my official professional career. And then some year passed, and you you grow and grow, and then it happened that you have been like 17 years old? when everything actually as a, a little bit more professional begin? Yeah, you know, I was, so I, I attended music conservatory, which was very important to get your, you know, your music, music education and all that. And then I also was a part of a youth theater in Zagreb. So I got my stage craft. So I was preparing for, you know, to be doing what I always wanted to do. And I was also singing with my dad's band in the summers, which gave me kind of like this, the really the understanding of music is for mm-hmm. you know because you can be an artist and be skillful and all that but if you don't make people happy if you don't make them dance if, if you don't ex- create an experience for them mm-hmm. 
then you might as well just, you know, do your music in your home, mm-hmm. right? You have not fulfilled the purpose of music. So, yeah, so when I was, actually, I was 17 where um, uh, I was ready to join the grown-ups world mm-hmm. of, you know, music. And so I was um, asked to sing a song at the Zagreb Fest, which is one of the really nice music events. And um, I won the third, uh, I won third award, which, and as a best, um, would you call it, like a, Debutante, you know, like a yeah. new artist. Yeah, yeah. So that was that. It had never. What I was told that it had never happened before that a new artist would win yeah. an award, the third, you know, uh, general award. And then I had a, so that a song. It was called uh, "Night of Crystals," Noche de Cristala. It was a very mature song that I had a hard time singing, but I did a good job, and um, and I only did a good job because my dad. Um, when I was struggling to sing it, my dad invited me to his gig and said, just watch. And he said, just watch what I do, how I sing it. And so this one song that he sang, he literally, he wasn't singing it. He just pulled everything that he had felt inside and just like did this emotional, you know, it it just engaged every part of him, made a connection, a deeper connection with his inner self which then connected with people. And then I got it. Like, you don't just sing the song from, you know, using your mm-hmm. vocal Voice cords. and, and your, Yeah. You, you have to engage your heart. You have to engage all of you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that was my big lesson. And then I had a hit song that was called I'm 17 with uh, Hari Matahari, which was a very famous band already. Mm-hmm. And that's how that part started. Mm-hmm. And before, just before actually the Eurovision songs begin, happened something special. You record? Yes. So I, um, you know, all of this was happening when I had my first hit song. I was already traveling. I was doing gigs. I was doing clubs. Um, I actually went to Canada with my dad's band. And there I won um, some tracks. Because before, this, you know, long time ago, it wasn't so easy to make tracks. Or there was no karaoke tracks, you know. Um, so um, in this ca- uh, Canadian mall, we were. This was in Calgary, mm-hmm. and or Edmonton. We went to this mall, and they had a, a studio that was like, kind of like be a be a rock star, and they had tracks, and you got to sing to tracks. You get to record your own thing, and I was already a professional musician, so I, I did really good. And the DJ there was like, oh my gosh, who are you? This, you're, you're really, really good. And so they had something that was like um, a competition, you know, for a, you could be, um, you could want, win Singer of the Week or a Singer of the Month. So I won Singer of the Month and I got all these tracks as, a, as an award. So I came back home and I used those tracks to, to create a show Mm-hmm. that I did, the disco clubs, the nightclubs. Mm-hmm. So I was already touring a lot. Um, and then I had an opportunity to work in London with, um, for um, doing demos for Richard Branson and Virgin Records. Um, and I needed, um, um, I was being very responsible and wanted to get a lawyer to sign the contract with them, but didn't have the money for it. So I came back home and I went to the top producers in Croatia, Zrinko Tutic, 
and asked him if um, he would just give me some songs so I could pitch it to the record company so I could sell some albums and pay for the lawyer to go to London. And <laughs> what happened um, was a little bit different. Um, you know, I, uh, he gave me a song that's now known as Haidle Ludoemo, which is Let's Go Crazy, with which I won uh, then Yugoslavian competition for the Eurovision Song Contest. And that's what really launched me into that crazy successful career. And this is where actually everything begins and ends. Kind of, yeah. Well, you know, every phase of our lives is like that, isn't it? Every yes. chapter, yes. it's, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's the beauty of it. So it was like uh, 1990 and it was uh, in Zagreb when was the like uh, Eurovision contest. Yes. And it really launched you through the whole country. Yeah, and Europe too. You know, it was really amazing. So Eurovision Song Contest is, it's, 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 um, it has a huge viewership. It's mm -hmm. one of those uh, beautiful music events in Europe that kind of connects all the different countries, and now even Australia. And, um, you know, it's actually, there's some following in America as well. Um, it's just beautiful how it brings us all together. You know, and there's always people that complain that it's really not the song, it's, it's not about a song, it's about performance. You can complain all you want. But it is a beautiful way to bring people together. Especially, you know, um, because there's always differences, there's always some conflict, there's always politics. This is one day when we kind of forget it all and just focus on music. So yeah, that year it was in Zagreb and it was 1990. So a lot of things were going on. That was um, right about the time when the European Union was an idea, it, was, it started, the concept. And um, Toto Cotugno had the song that's called Insieme, mm -hmm. Unite, Unite Europe. Europe, yes. And in 1989, so just a few months before that, Berlin Wall fell. So that was the beginning of a new era. Um, and we didn't know it then, but I was going to be the last performer that unified, that present, represented Yugoslavia as a whole, because after that, there was no more. There was no more, yeah. We was, uh, it all crumbled. So there was a lot going on, you know, and um, I just felt it was a very special and, 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 and really an honor place to be in that moment of time, being supported by so many people from so many different backgrounds. You know, I, it, it, it really, in a way, it was exactly the vision that I had when I was four years old. Except, it, you know, it was one part that was missing? Well, you know, I was like, you know, thought, I, my vision was tell inspiring stories through music that move mm -hmm. human hearts. Mm -hmm. And Let's Go Crazy is, you know, Let's Go Crazy Tonight, mm -hmm. um, Your Lips Are Like Chocolate, and I like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not very deep <laughs> story. Yeah, but it's you know. a beginning, right? It's definitely a beginning, yes. But I think it was that connection, you know, that, mm -hmm. was, that was the story. It was our story. It was, the story was not the song. The story was our story. I was young. I was hopeful. I was full of this energy, like, we can do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I wore, well, for Euro, Eurovision, I, um, Yugovision, I, I wore this bright orange dress, you know, yeah. like my doll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then Eurovision, I wore a pink dress, which I wasn't so crazy about. But it was still, it was that youth, it was the hope, it was the optimism. It was like, you know, no matter what, 
happens, we're not going to give in to fear. Mm-hmm. It was all of that. That was the story that I, that my intention was to convey. At that time, you have been 19 years old, right? I was only 19. So just beginning. Ugh. And I was a very young 19. And I was a very, uh, you know, I was a 19-year-old who, um, who needed, needed a lot of uh, good guidance who, um, and who was just so determined to, to follow her dream. Mm-hmm. And even, even at, at times, she didn't know how to protect herself. You know, she was just so courageous, so beautiful and so easy to hurt so and to be broken yeah and this is what happened actually because in one year from that huge success let me say this is a doll that was made after you right yeah. this is a tai chi doll it's a tai chi doll i mean who's got this <laughs> you know i don't have the doll like only barbie yeah. and tai chi and some of the people yeah. have the doll right but you know the thing is i even even at 19 i didn't have legs that came up to here <laughs> <laughs> okay so this was this was the doll and this was from perhaps somebody sees as a huge success when he's staring outside but inside, like you said already, you have been broken, actually, mm-hmm. in a, let me say, one year? Uh, but I mean, you know, it's, it's very difficult to, to really pinpoint where our brokenness really starts, you know, mm-hmm. because it's, it's how we grow up from very early on. What tools do we have to deal with brokenness? Because we can get broken along the way. We can fail. We can, we can face trauma, whether it's a small T or, or, or capital letter T trauma. If we have the tools and the support system, um, it's, you know, we, we build resistance and we build um, uh, tools that we need to not stay broken. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, I had a very loving family, a very supportive mother and father, but they were very, very young, and they did the best they could with what mm-hmm. they knew. And so a lot of the stuff that, you know, I was accumulating inside resulted in this brokenness that I didn't know what to do with. And it felt like something was terribly wrong with me, you know. So when, yeah, I had everything, I was on the... And I think a part of my drive to to do this music and to help to, to bring this love, this optimism, this hope into the world was my, you know, was in a way was channeling all this stuff that I didn't want to deal with or didn't know how to deal with into something beautiful, you know, to turn your wounds into, turn the rain into flowers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and um, yeah. I have to. I know. Um, it was one or one and a half year later. Is this the reason that you just decide to follow your dream as a five year old? girl and go to somehow to search for something more Mm -hmm. like when you decided to go to New York New York yeah it was actually two years later 
And um, I had done two albums by then and another album exclusive for Levi's because I was endorsed by Levi's. And, and this was a huge thing. It was, it was. I was actually the first, you know, I was, I was one of the first, uh, there was another um, popular singer in Croatia that we were the first two that had dolls. Mm -hmm. um, Who was the, the other one? Lepa Brena. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, the Levi's was a big deal. Um, you know, I, so I always, early in my career, I realized you know, this is great, but it's not what I had in mind. And a part of it was the fact that I had an amazing team of producers and professionals who were used to doing this thing their way. Mm -hmm. And I was too young and too unprepared as a person. I was really prepared on stage. You know, I had mm -hmm. years of experience. I had my 10,000 hours. I knew what I was doing. I, you mm -hmm. know, I was, I mean, I was there. Mm -hmm. I was on, on the ball. But as a person, I didn't know how to, how to still stay true to my vision and not be overcome by theirs. Mm -hmm. And you know, all, all, with all respect to them, they really knew how to do the business their way. Um, and, and a part of it was, you know, I did not want to um, lead with sex. You know, I wanted to be, I've, I was, I've, I had all these hours and hours of music behind me. Um, I wanted to, you know, I was, I, I, I graduated from music conservatory. You know, I, I played classical piano. Mm -hmm. I studied music theory. You know, I was uh, musical theater. I mean, I was a, a, a Eight, um, an all A student in my language school, you know. So I was, I was, didn't want to re be reduced to a doll. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to be a doll. No, no. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be just, you know, yeah, a model. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I, I, there's great models who who are still, you know, authentic and amazing, powerful women. And they want to do that. Absolutely. But I wanted to be appreciated for my for the music, not. Mm -hmm for my appearance and for, you know, songs that um, w were wonderful, but at one point I just wanted more. You wanted to tell us, tell a story. Yes. And I wanted to tell a positive story. story. Yeah. I wanted to tell uplifting story. And if you listen to a lot of my songs from that period, a lot of them were about cheating and in a, in a, in a, in a way that puts a woman in a completely you know, um, um, how do you say it? Like a, a position where she's just begging. Mm -hmm. You know, please love me. Sure, go ahead, hurt me. Yeah. You know, and I will love just, you, and, and I'll love you anyway. Please love you more. Yes. And hurt me more. And I'll always just, you know, I'm always, I'm always in my songs. I'm always the one crying. I'm always mm -hmm. like, you know, just a, just a trace Cute. of lipstick yeah. on your shirt. But I'm okay with that. No, I don't want to be okay with that. And I didn't want to send the message that. The to women, the girls, to the girls who were writing me letters that they wanted to be like me, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I just felt. And there was one point I was uh, I was singing at some big concert. I think it was in Pula in Istria. There was like eighty thousand people, and I just froze. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's that's in, in my head. It's like in the, at that time, but I remember looking at the audience and seeing those girls and thinking, what am I? What what message am I giving them? Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided. 
that I needed to find the inner strength. I needed to go back to, I need to heal myself because I had a lot of stuff that were, that was very broken. So when you get to New York, you grab the coffer and you just go with a um, for oh four hundred bucks, right? Yeah, it was something around like that. But uh, a friend of mine booked first ten days in a hotel, so I had a place to land. And then I auditioned for uh, a, a musical theater academy, American Musical and Dramatic Academy, and then I got in. But I didn't know that when I came with my two suitcases. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so there was no one. There was two suitcases. Two suitcases, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just, yes. I'm just kidding. And my little beauty case. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and I had a family. I met a family in New York who took me in for a month before the school started. And then the school, I got nice scholarships, so it covered all my expenses, expenses and my um, uh, housing. You know, and a lot of people. I leaned on on people, but I didn't want anybody to know that I was a star back home. And that was before internet, so I was able to do that. And I loved, I loved to me, it was, you know, I was 21, and my mom said, look, you can always come back. So I had the freedom to create this adventure. Mm -hmm. And this is something was with you. Yes. You wanted to do it. Absolutely, and I was free. I had a freedom to do it. I had a freedom to fall. You know, I had a freedom to suck. Yeah. <laughs> I had a freedom to, to be whoever, I wanted. I had a freedom to walk on the street without makeup on, mm -hmm. and not have to worry about you know who's going to see me or who's going to snap a picture of me and put it all over the tabloids. You know, mm -hmm. I was completely free. I loved it. I mean, I could barely speak English, which was a big problem because New Yorkers speak fast. You know, mm -hmm. um, but I loved it. I loved it. How long did you stay in New York? You graduated there also? Yes, I graduated. I did uh, some off-Broadway theater there. Mm -hmm. And then I also produced some of my shows in, mm -hmm. in New York City. Um, I partnered with um, Camille Brabone, who was Madonna's first manager. Mm -hmm. uh, we produced an album called Age of Love. Mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of stuff in New York. Um, even turned stuff down that I didn't feel like I wanted to do as big stuff. But I just didn't want to um, make compromises anymore, mm -hmm. you know. So I stayed, I tried to stay on my path. And also I, I spent a lot of time really on my spiritual journey, you know, on, on really going deep inside and just spending time in silence and, you know, in, in trying to get grounded and trying to uh, figure out what was going on with the, all this stuff. Also from the past. Yes. Yeah. This was quite yeah. the hard time, right? In that, well, you know, I I never saw it as I always saw it as an adventure. Because mm -hmm. it yes, it is. It's it it hurts. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it was it wasn't hard for me because I wanted to mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, because you decided. It yeah. Was by by you something. Yeah. So then you moved to Los I? Angeles. Yeah. So I got a, a I got a. A really nice job at a theater in Pennsylvania. Really nice contract. I was playing in this beautiful big theater, and um, and then after my contract was up, they they offered me another year, and I was like, you know what? I'm 27. I'm going to try LA for a year, and it turned out to be seven years because I met my husband there, and you know, so then love happens. Yeah. Then children. children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And that was wonderful because, um, you know, I always had, I always wondered if, you know, I had one of my, my struggles, one of my challenges, that personal challenges was early on in my career, I, it seemed to me that I would have to choose either love or career. I was made to believe that I could never have both. And then I was also made to believe that I had to choose career or children, that I could never have both. And so at this point in my life in Los Angeles, you know, I had a, a personal crisis that just really brought me to the depth of that question. And I decided, well, you know, I, the harder I try to just choose one over the other, it's harder it is. And more impossible it was to, to do either, mm -hmm. right? So this time I kind of just let, let go. And I said to God, you know, why don't you just do it for me? Because I can't. I give up. I literally said, I give up. And that's when I met my husband. <laughs> and at the, actually at the Carmelite um, monastery, <laughs> retreat house, really. I was, I was producing concerts for them, and um, Matthew came into my life. And, um, you know, I was, I was already doing, I was writing spiritual music, faith-based spiritual music, because it was part of my journey. Mm -hmm. And I was telling a story through it. And my husband, who had grown up with, you know, more formal religion and faith, he said, you know, this is great. Let's just, let just pack a van and go around and you tell your story through music. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I've been wanting to do, right? And yeah. move people's hearts. And then so we did, we did, a, and, and the, the, this, you know, the, the church allowed me to, to really share myself very honestly and openly and vulnerably mm -hmm. with people who also come already with their hearts open because mm -hmm. they're already searching. They want God. They need something in their lives to fulfill them from inside rather than looking mm -hmm. for all the things outside. And also, it was a great place. You know, I could bring my children to my concerts. Mm -hmm. and, and I did. You know, I would... Um, Literally, like I, 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 um, um, I was lucky and able to, to uh, breastfeed my children, my babies. So I would literally peel my, my baby off of my breast, give it to my, my husband, and, and, then, and then go on stage. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the concerts could only last as long as, you know, as my milk would come back and kick in. And when they were crying, whatever, then I would be like, okay. I have to get I'm it. done. Yeah. <laughs> It was great because it was also part of the story. It was real. You know, I could say, this is what, this is what, and I love it. Motherhood, so hard. I was, it was so hard, so challenging, but it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's messy. It's chaotic. It's exhausting. But fulfilling. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. You have three sons. Yes. Three boys. Three boys. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I, I, I watched them grow up under my mm -hmm. uh, keyboard and sing with me. They sang with me every concert, every concert, until the, the oldest was 15. And then he said, you know, I'm ready for, 
for a high, regular high school experience, and then we moved to Nashville mm-hmm. from Cincinnati. We had gone to Cincinnati from Los Angeles at some point. And then happened something what you didn't want to happen, and this is something with what's got to do a lot with your daddy. Mm. So this was uh, one of the milestones, right? In your life? Big turning points, yes. My dad got diagnosed with cancer in 2006 and he passed away um, nine months later. And it was, it, it hit me hard. I, it was really, really difficult. Um, part of it was you know, regret that mm-hmm. I had lost all that time. That I wasn't, you know, I was in America, he was in Croatia all those years. Mm-hmm. I had lost the time with him that now I realized I'm not going to have anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it was I was already in a place where, you know, the personal crisis that I had mm-hmm. that, that, that many years ago, again, I didn't process it right. So when my dad got diagnosed, it just pushed me into a depression and um, terrible anxiety that eventually developed into just debilitating panic attacks. Um, and so it was about after I after he passed, um, you know, and I tried my best to do what to live through it, but I needed help. Mm-hmm. And, and you got help. I did. I, but I waited until I literally had had a breakdown, and that's why you know what I do now. I I try to create content, and I try to um, in everything that I do, I try to send out the message, don't wait till you have a breakdown. You know, let's learn how to, let's learn how to observe the depression, anxiety, how to know when to ask help. And that also it's not, it's not shameful Mm -hmm. to ask for help. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're crazy. You need help. Mm -hmm. It's okay to ask for help. So yeah, and then after that, um, Breakdown. I, I started therapy. And it took me took me a while <laughs> to clean up all the stuff that was you know needed to be worked through um, of all those years. Mm-hmm. But actually, but you know, absolutely, it it um, oh my gosh, it was. I can't imagine life without it. I can't imagine where I would have been if I didn't go, go through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, when you think that okay, I finally made it, happened even something worse, right? With Matthew, with your husband. Yeah, and you know, th- this is, uh, this is um, interesting how you ask that question because when I look at mm-hmm. all that time, I see, you know, I was, I see, I'm, and I'm, I've always been this way. I've always seen the good stuff and the bad stuff ha- happened because it just, it happens. Mm-hmm. You cannot you know, avoid. I mean, it's it's stuff that we a have part of the life. Yes, we have no control over. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in that time, I mean, I was, you know, uh, we did run our own business, and we, Matthew and I, and uh, we did over a thousand concerts. We employed musicians and office staff, and you know, it was we were creating amazing concerts all over the states. Um, we produced DVDs and you know all these wonderful things. Then I produced a, a few a, a full-length musical and staged it at a theater in Cincinnati. Sold-out show. It was amazing. Then I decided I want. Oh, I opened a children's theater yes. with a partner, 
and wrote music Ohio, yes. for children's. What is that? In Ohio. In Cincinnati, yes. Yeah. And wrote music for these children's musicals. You know, so it was always that drive that you know I'm, 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 was what what kept me alive, really. What what was what gave me the reason to get up in the morning, even when I was dealing with depression and anxiety. You know, I had a deadline, so I had to, because mm -hmm. my family. Mm -hmm. Dependent on the income, of course, right? So, um, so yes, when my husband got sick, because of the work that I'd done, the inner work, I was you know you can never be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. But I did have tools mm -hmm. that um, helped me mm -hmm. to stay to stay tethered to love instead of falling into fear. You know, when he got diagnosed, when Matthew got diagnosed on Valentine's Day, two, two days after Valentine's Day, um, we were in the emergency room and he was, we, we were both crying and he said, he said, he said, because he had gone with me through my dad's cancer and he had seen what happened with me because I was stuck in grief. Mm -hmm. He said, we're gonna live, we're not gonna die this. We're gonna live through every day of whatever comes. We're gonna live through it, not die through it. And that was what kept us going. Every morning we would wake up and we would say to ourselves, we're gonna live, we're gonna live. You know what that means? It means you live, you live every breath, you live. Mm -hmm. You don't let one second go by without living. You know, so you're not dead. You're not dead to your emotions. You're not dead. You don't allow fear to, to rob you from any of those, even the hardest moments. When he was in excruciating pain, excruciating pain, and I couldn't help him, even in those moments, we lived through them. You know, we didn't try to numb it. And yeah, it was hard. It was, it was awful. It was nauseating. Painful. Oh my gosh. Of course. In every way. He was in so much physical pain and we were both in emotional, spiritual pain. Um, it, it was incredible, but we lived through every moment and we allowed each moment to not break us, mm -hmm. but help us to again, you know, focus on love. And you know, my husband and I, we had a challenging marriage and Ups and downs. Uh, Who doesn't we, have it? We, was, <laughs> we were separated for, for about 10 months, one year, and we were on the brink of divorce. And those, you know, those nine months, we, we had experienced the closeness, mm -hmm. the love, the intimacy, everything that we wanted. And, you know, that if, if I have some, you know, if I have, I'm still working through it because mm -hmm. it's a process. You know, I, I, I do wish that, didn't take us uh, a diagnosis and a terminal illness to live like that. And you do what you do through your books, not only music. Mm -hmm. So you write about them because you want to encourage actually women, families to be, to live every breath, right? Yes. You, you wrote so many. <laughs> a lot yes. of people does know actually that you wrote books. Yes, yes and there's yes. very di different books, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my my family knows me, and there was—I mean, I was always writing, I was always creating stuff, and so um, 
Yeah, so, you know, my biggest um, desire when I would do a concert was, like I said, to, to help move people, uplift them, give them something that would change their lives, right? And music does that. But then as I started opening up and talking about deeper, sharing my, my story on a deeper level, I would get these women and men, but a lot of women, that would come to me after the concert and say, well, Tai Chi, you inspired me. And, and they would tell me about their struggles, about their abusive marriages, about them being raped, about a hard, hard stuff that they never voiced, they never addressed, they never told anyone. Because like many of us do, that we think it's our fault, we are ashamed of it, we don't know how to deal with it. And so I would feel like, well, great, I just touched that place, and now I'm just going to send them home. I didn't know even what to say. Mm -hmm. So I started, uh, I actually produced a TV show called Waking Up in America, where I um, interviewed people with turning points. So like if, if, my, if the music didn't concert, because every, every event uh, encounter can be a turning point. So if my concert was mm -hmm. a possible turning point for someone you did right and I wanted to explore mm -hmm. just show because I didn't know what to offer so I just said well let me inter interview people who had experienced turning points and who had tools and then I was like what what did you do how did you know to turn your life around mm -hmm. you know how did you do it because it's not easy like you wake up one day and want to lose weight let's say mm -hmm. where do you start mm -hmm. and then not only where you start, but how do you keep going when it goes, gets really hard, mm -hmm. right? And then how do you stay till the end mm -hmm. and, and, and then live that change, live in this, this new mindset, mm -hmm. new life, mm -hmm. right? So I had before, turning point and after, and we explore that. And so I, um, for each episode, I uh, wrote um, an essay, a blog, pr pretty much, that was also um, published in Huffington Post. And... Um, so yeah, so that's the Turning Points book. And then I uh, put together, in, 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 in uh, desire really to help further, I attended um, a coaching training at the Radiant Coaches Academy, and I got certified as a life coach, transformational life coach. And I started working with people one-on-one. -on -one. I just loved it, because... Um, now you can really help, right? Yes, and the, the beautiful thing about coaching is that you don't, as a coach, I'm not there to give any advice. Mm -hmm. I'm just there to listen. Yes, and uh, question. And question, and reflect back. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was, you know why it was so good for me? Because I've been on stage, you know. Presenting. Yes. Because it's different when, you, when I speak. Yeah, I'm going to give you the points. I'm going to give you the value. I'm going to give you, you know. Yeah, the knowledge, the information, right. everything. This was taking me out mm -hmm. and, 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 and just uh, being able to, yeah. to hold someone's hand mm -hmm. while they are experiencing it on their own. And oh, they're doing their own work. I just like get all mm -hmm. chills because to experience that, to be part of that, uh, it's so, you know, I feel like I should pay my clients and <laughs> then they pay me, you know. It's so rewarding. It's such a gift. So I put this, uh, you know, because of my schedule, performing schedule, I, I'm not able to coach one-on-one -on -one so much. So I put together a, an online course and a, and a beautiful handbook. It's called Be a Rockstar of Transformation. 
So that's my course. It's a, it's a pretty, you know, um, it's a it's a deep work. It's really I, I love it. I do it, so myself. So, and then I I put together a twenty five gifts of Christmas, which is um, you know living in America, Christmas gets so commercial and so crazy. Yeah, too and, much of everything. Yes. Yeah. Not just in, in America, you know. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, this year we're gonna do. We're only gonna do seven gifts per each person. Like seriously. Yeah. Um, so these are the gifts that you kind of uh, give yourself, and you start. Um, you know how, like in uh, Catholic tradition, there's Advent before Christmas, and 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 then in America there's Advent calendar, which each day you open one window and you get a chocolate. Well, this is kind of. Chocolate, but for the soul. Yes. So you have a gift of you know simplicity, creativity, freedom, uh, family, time, music. Actually, actually basic things that make us happy, right? No material. Yeah, things that we all have, we're just not aware, mm -hmm. and we don't spend time acknowledging and and, and um, honoring, and then accepting. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just like. You know, we're disconnected, disconnected from it. But there are such gifts that support us and give us this um, uh, force, this, you know, red, um, I call them red ruby slip slippers, you know, where mm -hmm. they're your superpower. Mm -hmm. All of this, mm -hmm. if you're just engaged, connected, aware, mindful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I uh, published this book, George when my oldest son was, uh, as a graduating gift uh, from high school, um, he, um, he, he actually did this when he was five, the illustrations, uh, to, a, to a song that I wrote for the Lullaby album called George. And every, actually, every book has actually the songs. So yes. this is a combination of uh, the knowledge and the music and the dancing, like something what is traditional in Croatia or in Balkan countries, right? Yes, you know, I think music is, um, music has the power to penetrate the walls around our hearts or even minds mm -hmm. and, and trigger. Music triggers a lot of memories, for example, you know, mm -hmm. it, music is, is, is widely used in, used in music therapy, you know, and a lot of things has a lot of benefits. So I paired music with, because I'm, this is where I started, is always be. Yeah, right? it's so always in, a part of you. It's always, yeah. It's so. You. It, well, it's I don't know if it's me, but it's, it's a, part a of you. it's a, it's a it's a my best way to express who I am, mm -hmm. the language of music. Yes, and so um, Turning Points has each episode has a song at the end, whether it's a song that means something to the guest or it's it's somehow connected through mm -hmm. a topic that we are exploring, and then my course every level every. Um, chapter ends with a song that also you can connect in and kind of reflect. Music helps you reflect on the part that we were just going, uh, learning or exploring. And then 25 gifts for Christmas, obviously. You know, Christmas songs are so cool. I love Christmas music. And then George's The Lullaby. And there is another book? Yes. I'm so excited about this new book. It's called Unbroken. And it's a journey um, through an album that I uh, recorded when my dad passed away, after my dad passed away. I had booked a studio and I had plenty of time to write songs. But two weeks before the studio time, I realized 
I don't have one song to record. And I called up the producer and I said, I don't have anything. Can I cancel mm -hmm. studio time? And he said, you can't cancel because I can't get it anybody else in, in this short time. So he said, studio is yours. Whether you come and sleep for two weeks or dance or whatever, or you nothing. Know, or nothing, <laughs> yeah. you got to pay for it. So yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And so the, the book actually tells how I, um, the process of how I found in, 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 in this, and I was, I was in a very hard place at that time. That was my time of depression and anxiety. And, and I was working with a therapist. So the book has my journal entries and how I talked with my therapist about this. So it's a very good insight into healing process. And the beautiful thing is that I saw that album when we finished. I saw it as, didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. And then the book, um, I thought it was broken. I thought it was ugly. Mm -hmm. And then the book kind of takes you and, and shows you what happened. How, um, after a while, I began to see the beauty mm -hmm. in that unbrokenness. Because we're never truly broken. Mm -hmm. It's just how our perception. Mm -hmm. How we see things. How we see. And on what we focus, actually. Yes. But it's hard sometimes to focus on positive if you are like in depression, right? Absolutely. It's so hard. It is so hard. Mm -hmm. It is so hard. And the worst thing that people can do is Tell, tell someone, snap out of it, you know, or, mm -hmm. or pull yourself together. Mm -hmm. You have no idea yeah. how, how, that, how hard that is. And like I said, you know, my children were the reason why I had to. I, had, I couldn't not mm -hmm. get out of bed, you know, but it's, it's very difficult. And so, um, yeah, we can only, you know, so, so my children, in a way, were showed up as love mm -hmm. because that was you know I didn't get up for them because of obligation but because of love for them mm -hmm. right and then they 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 gave love back mm -hmm. and always yeah always yes so if you know if, if you are someone who is going through depression or if you're someone who has who knows someone that's mm -hmm. depressed you know, I, I like to share that, that love, just to be loved through mm -hmm. it and to know that you're loved. Even if you have to borrow someone's belief mm -hmm. in you, if you have mm -hmm. to, you know, let them convince you, let them remind you every day that you mm -hmm. are loved. Mm -hmm. You're not going to believe it. But showing up every day and doing it every day and showing love, it will eventually come. And love is the, the main stuff or the main um, in the ingredients also by volunteering, right? This is a huge stuff. Doing stuff for women or shelters. Or yeah, so, so for me, everything has, uh, the, every transformation, you know, because I've done so many transformations. I've, I went from, you know, being a, a, a girl that nobody believed in in Croatia to a superstar. Right, I went through being a superstar to moving to New York, leaving everything behind and creating a new life in New York. Mm -hmm. Then I went through, okay, now I'm going to leave everything behind in New York and go to LA. Mm -hmm. So I'm good at 
you know, leaving something behind and creating a new life that's going to fulfill me. I'm good at making these transformations, these big changes. So when I was uh, separated from my husband and we were on the brink of divorce, all of a sudden it went, it, 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 it's like, I don't know, like I, this was mm. a voice mm. that said, mm. you're really good at this. You mm. know how to do this. You know how to pack your bags and go and leave. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, eventually, I, and I was even chuckling. I said, eventually I'm going to run out of continents mm -hmm. to run to. Mm -hmm. I have to stop running. Right? So, um, so for me, it's very, it's very important to, um, to, to then, it was, it was very important to, to understand, okay, how, what, is the, what am I missing in this transformation? Because I made the transformation, right? So I was missing two things. I was missing healing part. Okay, you really have to process. You can't just pack your bags and leave. Mm -hmm. You can do that, but you have to process. Why did you leave? What is that you were looking for? You have to do the inner work. Period. No matter what you're looking for. If you're starting a new business, great. But don't run away. Don't start it to run away from your inner mm -hmm. self that needs processing and healing. And then, uh, you know, of course, making all the changes, that's hard. Um, whether it's your external changes or mindset set shifts. Um, and then showing up every day. It takes, what, at least 21 days to create a habit. You can't just expect... It's more, you know. It's 66 <laughs> or 90. It depends right. what kind of... At least habit. 21, yes. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Yes, yes. But 66 is kind of average, yeah. yeah. Like, although it seems to me that like when it comes to exercise, yeah, I, I think you I need, need a, a one year. year. <laughs> 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 yeah. Or 10. Let me say 10. But here's the thing. I think the most important, what makes a transformation uh, lasting is this giving back. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's that when we are no longer the, the transformation or the change that we make in life no longer just serves us, but it actually serves someone else. Then it solidifies itself. Then you realize that you're not doing all that work just to satisfy. You know, it's not like you're buying your shoes and now you're wearing them. That's great. I love new sho shoes, mm -hmm. although I love my old pair the best, you know. Mm -hmm. but, um, but, but it, it goes from that to I've, I've went through this inner, deep inner change, and now I'm going to help someone else in whatever way. It could be making a meal. It could be mentoring. You know, I, I decided to go mentor in the prison mm -hmm. because that's where I felt I needed. I needed mm -hmm. to give back in mm -hmm. that way where I was completely out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, because it, it just, uh, I mean, it's, it's not very complicated. It just offers you a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And there is also a story that you didn't tell so many times. And this is a sad story, actually, when you were um, actually raped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was... As a uh, teenager. I was a teenager, yeah. And, you know, at that time we were... Um, I don't know, the culture, and it, it might not be true for, you know, the, the, the country or, you know, it's just the, my personal environment and, and culture where I was, you know, my um, environment, I said that already, <laughs> was such that I felt it was my fault. Um, you know, and I found you felt like it was your absolutely, fault. Absolutely, yes. Like I was asking for it, yeah. yes. Yeah. I should, you know, I should have known better 
to not even put myself in that situation. So therefore, it was my fault, and mm -hmm. there was nobody, um, you know, nobody to to blame. Not mm -hmm. even the person that had no no business taking from me what I wasn't willing to give. You know, um, but um, yeah. So it was um, it, it was um, it was a traumatic experience that I decided to never tell anybody about that was going to go with me into the grave, you know, like I heard my grandmother say always. And I suppressed it. I was not going to tell anybody. And I didn't actually even, I wasn't even angry with that person. I was angry with myself mm -hmm. for many years. And that, um, I didn't even realize just how um, m many Trump, how many issues that misplaced anger um, caused me, mm -hmm. and unprocessed trauma. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is also that you really connect, even here in Nashville, with women who actually have uh, very similar stories. Yeah, because it, you know, uh, yes. Um, and we don't talk a lot about that. Stuff. We don't. I, so I, yeah, when I first came to Nashville, I was uh, introduced to Thistle Farms. It's a beautiful place that uh, it's a community of um, that restores lives of women that were stuck in sex trafficking, um, uh, abuse, addiction, and prostitution. So it was really interesting because when I came to these women. They have a beautiful meditation circle, and I held hands with them, and I felt home. And I thought, our lives are so different. You know, I did not go through any of the horrors and horrible things that they've gone through. But I, what I felt was their ability to be survivors, mm -hmm. not victims. Warriors. Warriors that they, what that meant was not only letting go, but was, and, and, and forgiving, but was also like filling their, themselves with such incredible compassion and unconditional love toward others, that I had never experienced that. A woman who suffered so much, for her to be so filled with love and compassion for for some really, some, some people who make some awful decisions and, and um, choices in their lives. That's what I felt like I was holding hands with. And I, I, I felt healed in that moment. I felt like, yeah, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I have the capacity for that kind of compassion and forgiveness and love and uplifting others. And each, and you know what's so beautiful is that that place started with five, and then it kind of like it just it, five brought five more, and then five more, and so now it's just thousands of women who are bringing sisters to this place, and going like freedom out, right? Like freedom, free, yes, empowered. Mm -hmm. um, like my friend Jennifer said um, today when we were having lunch, she's no longer feeling unworthy. And that what we women can do for each other. And then we can do that for men too. You know, Tennessee has a law where um, 
uh, Jans who are the who buy the prostitutes, they are offered to go to Jan school for their for, for them um, to lessen their penalty or whatever their punishment for engaging in prostitution because it's illegal. So we are able to heal each other. You know, when we understand and hold hands and say, yes, you are capable. Mm -hmm. And you are not alone. We can do this together. <sighs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think Tai Chi, this word, needs? Healing. Healing and love. Healing. Uh, what needs is healing deeper, loving more, and then uplifting others. That's what the world needs. And every one of us can do You know, it's not just a beautiful saying. It's not something you wear on a shirt. It's like, cool. You can do this every day. You mm -hmm. know, you can be uh, on the freeway driving down and somebody cuts you off or somebody's driving too slow. And instead of saying, oh, what's up with you? Or say, idiot or whatever. You can say, oh, I wonder if this person has to go to the bathroom real bad. Mm -hmm. You know, or I hope they're safe. I hope everything is okay. Yeah, you can. It's just like whether we are releasing the, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, anger and hatred and judge, judgment into the world, or we're we're releasing compassion mm -hmm. and love and understanding. When my husband got sick, we uh, went to one of these doctors' office, and there was a beautiful sign that said, "Everyone you meet fights a battle you know nothing about." Everyone you meet. That means. That politician that you have a problem with, that person that's judging you all day long, that person that writes horrible comments on your Facebook, they're all fighting a battle you know nothing about. You don't wear their shoes. No. You don't know. And you don't know what they've been, you know, when I uh, mentor the prison, um, these people say, I, it's not like I woke up one day when I was a little girl or a boy and decided I want to be a criminal when I grow up. Yeah. No, something happened to us that then we make these bad choices. You know, of course, we have to have boundaries. And, you know, um, I'm not saying just, you know, love and peace <laughs> is going to, um, is the solution. Healthy boundaries but and, and inner work, work on yourself, the healing deeper first. Start with yourself and then um, live your life from love instead of fear and then reach out and uplift others we can all do that it's one more book that is coming it's about the olden memoirs oh yes my big memoir yes we have to finish with that because oh. i think this will be quite interesting book yeah it could you know i could totally um it's a book that can be <laughs> Um, a page turner of all the like amazing gossipy kind of stories, you know. Um, but it's it's it has. I really my intention is to to give back. You know, everything that I went through. I believe can help someone else because I've. It was for me, in all these turning points, it was books that first helped me because I was afraid to speak up. So in, my, in the silence and safety of my home, you know, I would read a book and it would speak to me, someone's voice. Um, it was a book by um, uh, Belinda Carlisle, Lips Unsealed, her biography. That was, that was uh, uh, what I needed to 
here. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I hope that that's my intention for writing my memoir. I wish you everything the best, and um, I know that the best is yet to come, also for you. Oh, thank you.